This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Today we're continuing in our series here at Courageous Church called The Future is Bright. Throughout this series, we've been exploring why we believe that and why you can too. Over these past few weeks and Sundays, we've talked a lot about the kingdom of God and the five purposes of the church and the second coming of Jesus. And today I want to talk to you about heaven and where our true allegiance lies. In a message I'm calling Citizens of Heaven, it is my sincerest hope that you would be greatly encouraged today by the reality of what God has in store for those that have put their faith in Jesus Christ. And I believe that's the invitation he's wanting to make to you today, if you'd be open and willing to receive it. If you have your Bible with you, go with me to the book of Philippians chapter 3. We're going to be reading from that text today. We're going to start right there in verse 1. I'll be reading from the NLT, and it says this, Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I want to begin with a word of encouragement to everyone watching or listening today, and it's this. Whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord. That's my first key point today. Whatever happens, regardless of the circumstances, rejoice in the Lord. Let's face it, we are living in times of great anxiety and stress and uncertainty surrounding outcomes of elections and this pandemic and what's going to happen next or what our elected officials are going to do and how we're going to respond even as a church. And I believe that Jesus wants us to be still and know that he is God. To know that whatever happens, we can and have the right to rejoice. Paul would go on in chapter 4 to repeat the same sentiment. He says, rejoice again. I say rejoice. And he's inviting us to do the same. No matter what persecution or tribulation arises, no matter what troubles await us, or what obstacles stand in our way, friends, we can rejoice. And you might be saying, well, Pastor Jason, how can I choose joy when so many things have gone wrong for me this year? How can I rejoice when it feels like the world is literally falling apart? And my response to you is this. If you put your faith, hope, and trust in Jesus, You are not merely a citizen of this world, but rather you are a citizen of heaven, meaning that your hope is not tethered to what happens to you here on this earth. Your hope is tethered to Jesus Christ. And in the same way that Paul is encouraging his church here in verse 1, I want to encourage you to rejoice because what God has in store for you and for me is better than anything we could ever possibly imagine. And it's for this reason that we believe as a church that the future is bright. Continuing in verse 1, Paul says, I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. Friends, I firmly believe that God wants you not only to be encouraged in your faith, but to be safeguarded in it. He wants to help you safeguard or protect your faith. In last week's message, which was done live in our brand new building at 5 p.m., I spoke about our need as the people of God to listen and to be ready for what God wants to say and do next. And a big part of being ready is keeping watch over your faith and what is ultimately going to attack it. That's why Paul says, I tell you these things to help safeguard your faith. The scriptures also speak about guarding your heart, which is vitally important to your well-being. Paul goes on to say in verse 2, watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. 
My second key point today is this. Beware of dogs. Now, in this particular context, Paul is referencing a group of early Jewish believers here, some, sometimes referred to as Judaizers. These were men who wanted to put people back under the demands of the Mosaic Law and wanted people to follow God more strictly and religiously by way of physical circumcision, like them. And you have to remember here, Paul's audience in Philippi were mostly Greeks. They were Gentiles, and at this time, most of them did not practice the Jewish custom of circumcision. So, while Paul was trying to teach justification and salvation by faith alone, these Judaizers, these false teachers, were actively opposing him, and in doing so, coming against God's message of grace for all believers. Paul says, these people that demand that you circumcise yourself are dogs, and they do evil. He calls them mutilators and uses really harsh and stark language here. Unless we think this is just a first century problem, uh, I think a case could be made that we see the same thing happening today. Right now, I would say to us that there are many people in our world who come to us in the name of God who have actually missed or forsaken his heart, who actually do evil and have an agenda to see you become as miserable as them. And the truth is this, Jesus didn't come to place more laws and more burdens on you. He came to set you free so that you would know his life and have it more abundantly. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So remember that. In everything that is happening in our world right now, Jesus is not interested in you becoming simply more religious. He's interested in you becoming a person that can rejoice no matter what happens. Amen? Amen. So beware of dogs. Paul would go on to make the argument for spiritual circumcision over physical circumcision to distinguish the people of God from the people of the world. In verses 3 through 6, he says this, For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. So, Paul makes here what could be misconstrued as a boastful statement about his own works, but he does so to draw our attention to the reality that human effort is pointless. He pulls a Donald Trump and says, I'm basically the best there ever was at being Jewish. I was circumcised at eight days. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel. I'm a member of the tribe of Benjamin. A real Hebrew if there ever was. He continues, I was a Pharisee of the highest order and so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. In other words, I did what all of you Judaizers are doing right now. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. Now, clearly Paul thought pretty highly of himself where others thought it mattered. But where God thought it mattered, according to Paul, he knew he couldn't measure up. And he says, we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us alone. We put no confidence in human effort or the flesh. In other words, physical circumcision is pointless. Attempts to convince God by way of your good works and righteousness are pointless. And not only are they pointless, they're worthless as well. My third key point is this today. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Verses 7 through 9. I once thought these things were valuable. 
but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have discarded everything, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. So, as it turns out, what really matters is what Christ Jesus has done for us by way of his cross. What really matters is knowing Jesus as Lord. What really matters is becoming one with him through faith. And it's by faith that his spirit takes up residence within our lives. He says in verse 3, we who worship by the Spirit of God, by the Holy Spirit of God, are the ones who are truly circumcised. He's alluding to Ezekiel 36, 26, which says, and I will give you a new heart and new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. You see, only the Holy Spirit can do that. He's also alluding to Jeremiah 31, 33, which says, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. You see, the practice of circumcision was never going to be enough to deal with all of the heart and the sin issues within our humanity. It was never going to be enough to help us keep our covenant with God. But Jesus, he comes along and he changes everything. And not Jesus plus some things, but Jesus plus nothing else equals everything. Jesus alone becomes the fulfillment of God's prophetic promise to give us new hearts and to place his spirit within us. Hence, writing his law upon our heart. And it's in focus of this new reality that Paul says we worship by the Spirit of God with hearts that have been changed. In other words, we've been given access to a new way of being human. And that way looks oddly like Jesus. It looks oddly like being led by His Spirit and being made full of His Spirit. It looks like having heaven's signature all over your life. Paul continues, verses 12-14. through 14. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved all these things or that I have reached perfection somehow, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved that, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Man, that's so good. Verse 14, I press on to reach the end of the race and to receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. He's saying, look, I'm not perfect. You're not perfect, but we press on anyways. And I would say to you and to me today that regardless of what has happened this year, we press on anyways. We keep moving forward. Regardless of how difficult it might be sometimes, we do so, like Paul said here, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Friends, there's so much in front of us to look forward to. My next key point is this. We embrace the future and we let go of the past. It's for this reason that we believe as a church that the future is bright because we have so much to look forward to in Christ Jesus. Because ultimately, this earth and our existence here is not the final word. Heaven is. Paul says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Did you know that a heavenly prize awaits you at the end of this life? That's what the scriptures say. And although there might be debate amongst theologians as to what that prize is exactly or specifically, I'll say this. Being with Jesus is its own reward. 
ruling and reigning with Christ, being in the presence of Almighty God, having life eternal, those things are their own reward. And that's what we have to look forward to and more at the end of our earthly race. Paul goes on to say this in verses 15 through 16. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on anything, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress that we have already made. He's saying we can't allow arguments to get in the way of the progress that we've made in following Jesus. But rather, that we must hold on to it, preserve it, treasure it, because we're running a race. Now, in a race, what matters is not how you start, but rather how you finish. Anyone ever see the video or remember the improbable victory of David Waddle in the 72 Munich Olympic Games? David was a long-distance runner who ran in the 800-meter final at the Olympics that year. And due to a bad start, he begins the race dead last. But shockingly and surprisingly, he comes from behind at the last moment to win the whole entire thing. Because he didn't let his past or the way that he started determine the final outcome of his race. Did you catch that? He didn't let his start determine his finish. And the truth is this, God doesn't want your past or mine to hold us back from finishing our race. He doesn't want areas where things might still be unclear to you to hold you back from finishing what you started. He certainly doesn't want you to get caught up in foolish arguments and quarrels because there's still so much in front of us to do and to win at. So we embrace the future and we let go of the past. Paul continues with verses 17 through 20. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows that they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. Verse 19, they are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. Verse 20, but we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly awaiting for him to return as our Savior. As we've talked about throughout this series, we are people that eagerly await the return and second coming of Christ because we know that our life is not entirely anchored to this one, but rather that it is more fully found in what is to come. Hallelujah. So make no mistake, friends, Jesus is coming again definitely soon and perhaps even sooner than we know. And this should bring us great encouragement and hope. It's why Paul was so eager to help people understand that their true citizenship is not of this world, but of heaven itself, making us, as the people of God, rightful benefactors and possessors of all good things to come. My last key point for us today is this. We are citizens of heaven. He says in verse 20, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. Did you know that as a citizen, you actually have certain rights? For example, as citizens of the United States of America, we have what is called the Bill of Rights, which carefully spells out for us certain rights that our forefathers believed to be non-negotiable and binding for us as citizens of this nation. Among them are the right to gather freely to worship, the right to free speech, the right to a peaceful assembly, among many, many more. Well, in the same way, did you know that as a citizen of heaven, you also have certain rights? As a citizen of heaven, God has given you the right 
to petition him for help. He's given you the right to enter freely and boldly into his presence. He's given you the right to eternal and everlasting life. He's given you the right to his authority and to use his name. And he's given you the right to every promise fulfilled by Jesus' own life, death, and resurrection. Ephesians 2.6 additionally says that we're now seated with Christ in heavenly places. And Romans 5.17 says that we're called to reign in this life through Christ Jesus. So our citizenship is in heaven, but we get to express it and live it out here on earth. How cool is that? By doing so, the scriptures call us ambassadors, meaning we're representatives. We're called to represent heaven on earth. In other words, we take up heaven's cause here on earth. We contend for heavenly things here on earth. We pray for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it already is in heaven, just the way Jesus taught us to. In this way, we are emissaries of the kingdom of the heavens that is here now and still coming in greater fullness and power. So why is this important for us today? It's important that we understand who we are and where our life comes from and what rights God has given us so that we can fulfill all that he has created us for and run our race to win it, to receive that heavenly prize, amen? As we understand it, our true life comes from being unified with Christ Jesus, like Paul talks about. And we know that we get a foretaste of that now by way of his spirit taking up residence within us. But we also know that there's coming a day and age in which we will more fully know and drink in his presence all the more as heaven finally comes to earth. And we see this reality portrayed for us in Revelation 21, verses 1 through 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. And the sea was also gone, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. What we know is this. God is going to make everything new. Even now, he's already begun to do that with us as new spiritual creations in Christ Jesus. But even still, Paul tells us that God is going to come and renew even our physical bodies when they're raised. Paul finishes Philippians chapter 3 with this final verse and encouragement to us today. Verse 21. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. Friends, ultimately, you're going to receive a new and glorious body just like Jesus did. For some of you older ones, that's really good news. Can I get an amen? Amen. But even for those of you in the prime of your youth, listen to me, even what you have now, it's going to fade. And it's only through a real and lasting relationship with Jesus that you and I are going to be raised to life again and clothed with an imperishable body full of glory and without sin, just the way God intended it from the start. Like it says here in verse 21, God's going to use the same power he did in raising Christ Jesus from the dead to give you a new and glorious body and to bring everything under his control. 
That means sin will be eradicated. Poverty will end. Justice will prevail. Wrongs will be made right. Tears will be wiped away. Pain and sorrow will be no more. War and strife and fraudulent elections will cease. His life will surely come. And all those that have put their faith and hope in Jesus Christ will be saved. It means the future is bright. Friends, I want to offer you the opportunity to know this hope that we have as courageous followers of Jesus, to not wait another moment or another second, but to freely receive all that Jesus has already done for you by way of his own life, death, and resurrection. You see, the invitation is not just to wait till death to experience heaven. The invitation is to experience heaven now as a citizen of it today. We believe that starts the moment you say yes to Jesus. And the good news is that he's already said yes to you. Meaning, today's the day where you get to place your name next to where he's already signed his. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says this, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you've been watching or listening to this message today and you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, it starts with your belief and your open confession of faith. And it could be as simple as you praying this simple prayer with me right now. And it goes like this. Jesus, Savior, save me. Save me from myself. Save me from the things that have kept me bound. I believe and confess that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died on that cross for me and that God raised you to life again. Jesus, I ask that you would give me a new life of freedom and hope in you. Make me your church, your favorite dwelling place. Come fill me with your Holy Spirit and make all things new. If you just prayed that prayer with us, we want to know about your decision today. For those that said yes to Jesus for the first time, we want to say welcome to the family. And we'd love to help you get connected either here at Courageous Church or wherever you're watching from. Or perhaps you recommitted your life to Christ today. Either way, we'd love to help you and celebrate with you. And here's how you can do that. You can go to CourageousChurch.com to fill out a digital connect card to let us know how we can best follow up with you and pray for you in the days ahead. We also want to come alongside you as you begin your faith journey. And we want to send you a new Bible and help you take some next steps. For those of you that are here in the Salt Lake Valley, we're currently gathering in person at our new building at 10702 South, 300 West in South Jordan. And we're doing that on Sundays at 5 p.m. We'd love for you to come out and join us. We also have prayer nights on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. at our prayer room here in Sandy. You can go to our website, CourageousChurch.com, to get all the details. Lastly, if Courageous Church is your home church, we want to remind you to honor God with your giving, your generosity. It allows us to do what we do best. That is to reach many with the hope, healing, courage, and life of God. It allows us to advance God's good mission for all the people of Salt Lake City, the Mountain West, and beyond. And if you want to be a part of what God is doing with this church to make a big difference, you can use one of the links that we've posted right there in the comment section, or just head on over to CourageousChurch.com slash giving to give online. Church, we love you. The future is bright, and you are God's best. So be strong and courageous, and we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at CourageousChurch.com.